everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of the Cinefessions podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Brandon Chowan, and joining me tonight, we have Ash Collins. Ash, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Excellent. Glad to hear it. So tonight is December 17th, 2015. So 50% of the world is at the movie theater at this point, catching the release of the new Star Wars film. But Ash and I are tired and uh, cheap, so we're going to go when there's a, a matinee going on. Isn't that right? When are you planning on going, Ash? Yeah, yeah that is the plan. Um, I am going Saturday uh, okay. at some point. Um, probably around 4 o'clock-ish, just because that's when our, um, our uh, illustrious movie theater has their um, specials. Gosh, yeah. Very good. And we're cheap. <laughs> yeah. I hear you there. Um, Chris is going tonight. Uh, hopefully, I'm not sure if he's going to review it or not, um, but hopefully we'll get a review up sometime next week of our thoughts on the film. Um, I honestly am not sure when I'm going to see it. I'm, like I talked about in the past, getting that projector for Christmas. So I kind of want to wait until after Christmas because... I want to watch all of the films, at least episode four, five, and six on the big, on my projector before I see the next film. And so I'm kind of holding off a little bit, but I don't want, obviously I don't want spoilers. And so that might be an issue, but I'm pretty good with uh, the people I follow on Twitter to not give out too many spoilers. So I haven't really ran into that problem too much. So I'm not sure if I'm going to end up seeing it this weekend or if I'm going to end up waiting until after Christmas. So basically, if I don't see it this weekend, then... It means I won't see it until probably the weekend after Christmas, I would imagine, um, like that following weekend, because I'll spend the week watching, you know, at least episodes four, five and six, but maybe one, two and three as well, and then go to see episode seven. So I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm really interested to see what the box office take is going to be. I think it's going to be just astronomical would be oh, my I guess. Imag- I imagine it's it, well, they had a hundred million already in pre in, just in pre ticket sales. That doesn't even that is just pre-orders. That's crazy. Yeah, it is gonna do big bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard they. Uh, yeah, I heard they um, irritated Tarantino. Disney did. Uh, apparently. I saw the headline, but I didn't read the article. What was that about? What was? Why was he upset? Um, he had made a deal with one of the theaters that he really likes. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the Cinemadrome, or okay. Cinemadrome, uh, it's in Los Angeles. It's like a mile from the Grumman Theater where they're, at, you know, where they're showing the big thing. And yeah. they actually like the Hateful Eight actually has the Cinemadrome logo like before the film even starts because he loves the mm. theater that much. And Disney basically was like, you know what? Uh, we decided we want to have Force Awakens playing there and at the theater a mile away. Oh wow! Uh, through. through yeah, all the way through the Christmas holiday, and Tarantino's <laughs> movie was supposed to start on Christmas Day. Right. They, had a, they actually had a contract and everything, and Disney basically said, look, if you ever want to see any of our Star Wars movies ever again, you're going to show Force Awakens all the way through. <laughs> and they forced Tarantino's film out. Wow. Yeah, he was on Howard Stern about it, and he was pissed. And he has a right to be, because that's just ridiculous. But, yeah. Wow. They can't give up one theater. Well, and then that's just it. They don't need it. Right. They're just being stupid about it. The rich and the greedy, I guess. Yeah. Man, oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. I was meant to read that article. I just never clicked on it, but good to know. So, what did you end up doing this week? Um, Not a lot. Yeah. Um, Wife and I went and uh, watched... A bit of Netflix again. Watched uh, Dark Star season one, which was okay. pretty good. We weren't sure what we were getting into, or Dark Matter, not Dark Star. Oh, Dark okay. Matter. Dark Matter season one. Hmm. Um, they happened to show up when we were finishing up. What was it, the one hundred? That. Yeah, hmm. yeah. We watched the the end of season two, of the one hundred, and then basically just dumped right into Dark Matter. Um, it's pretty good. It was a Canadian made uh, TV show that Sci Fi picked up too okay. um but it's like it's a little bit lower budget and it's only 13 episodes long they have a second season so they're it ends on a cliffhanger 
which mm. kind of which both sucks and it's like you know oh my god i have to watch season two now right. um but, is season two <laughs> on netflix not yet they haven't even okay. just started filming it, so. oh okay wow yeah so they uh it's, it's interesting they it's based off of a graphic novel okay. and the first the first two or three episodes actually cover the four issues of the graphic novel that came out and then after that it's all original stuff that they wrote for the show um but basically this crew wakes up on their ship coming out of stasis and they've lost their memory one of the one of the crew members wiped all their memories they have no idea where they're at why they're there what Hmm. they're doing and then they kind of have to figure it out from there and you kind of find out they're all wanted for one reason or another and so they're they're all kind of on the run. Um, but, uh, yeah, that it's sounds cool. Yeah, definitely something we're checking out. Oh, sounds well, one like. of the crew's not wanted. She does. Yeah. They don't there. There's like this girl that's on board and she doesn't have a rap sheet or anything and they don't have any idea who she is. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. And they, they elaborate and you know, they people figure out who they are as the series goes along. So gotcha. That was cool. Other than that, we haven't done a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. Yeah, well, we... I did. I did buy. I did buy parts for my wife's computer. Oh yeah, I saw so. that on Twitter. You're building one again. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, we decided that we were going to keep the laptops, you know, to to take on trips and stuff because they're still good for that. But right, we want to. We wanted to get something more permanent. Because we don't take them around the house much, so okay, it made sense to have like a desktop mm-hmm. so, again. So, so we're building a desktop. She's she's got her parts. We had enough to get her parts and everything. We're, I'm putting it in one of her old uh, Vista machine cases. I'm building it into that. Okay, so how that goes? Very Fun. good. It's something I've always wanted to do, and I the next time I do a uh, a desktop will be I'll, I'll definitely try to build it myself, but. I spent a lot of money, a lot of money on my laptop, and uh, so I won't be doing that for probably a while yet. But um, the my laptop, like I, I definitely needed a laptop more than a desktop. I only time I ever use my desktop really is uh, for recording the podcast. Um, but I do all my editing of the podcast and everything like that, and all my writing, editing, everything on the laptop. And I usually am sitting on my couch while I'm doing it. So definitely had had the use of the lap use for a laptop. But I always was of the um, opinion that if you aren't going to be moving it around a lot, it's so much smarter to get a desktop. You get so much more bang for your buck there. Yeah. That I would agree. I mean, we got gaming laptops, bought our old laptop or uh, bought our laptops. Yeah. I mean, and they weren't, they weren't cheap, but uh, Mm -hmm. we've gotten our, our money's worth out of them. So that's good. Yeah. I did some, gaming but it's been i'm kind of in the um the wrestling phase pretty hardcore the past few weeks here uh ever since the survivor series pay-per-view about a I don't know, less than a month ago i've been pretty much in that phase and so i've kind of out of the video game phase that i was in pretty hardcore for a few weeks there um before that was the comic book phase uh and so i'm kind of now in that wrestling phase it's just what i do I'll go, you know, a month doing one thing and then, you know, four to six weeks doing something else. And then I get bored of that and move on to something else. That's just the way I always have been. And so at this point, I'm in kind of that wrestling phase. And uh, we had tables, ladders and chairs on Sunday night. So I went to my uncle's house and I created a uh, another betting sheet like I did for Survivor Series. And uh, Survivor Series, I came in last place. This time I got tied for first. I only got one match wrong so i was pretty happy with myself ended up taking home some cash so that was always a good thing and then yeah yeah um uh before that i watched um, i think it was friday night maybe i think it was friday night i watched um saint valentine's day massacre from 1999 a a, a wwe pay-per-view and uh it had the main event of stone cold steve austin versus vince mcmahon in a steel cage match and the reason I watched it is because it was the de- the debut, the WWE debut of Paul White, who's uh, the big show. And so he actually oh, okay. comes up. Yeah, he comes up through the ring at the end of the match and tries throwing, you know, beating up Austin. It was pretty entertaining. But they also, before that, they had a, a uh, 
not an, uh, it was not an I Quit match. That was previous. It was an Iron Man match, or no, I'm sorry, a Last Man Standing match between The Rock and uh, Mankind, and that was that was a really good match. And you can actually see chair shots to the head, which you don't see anymore in W in PG WWE. And so that's actually how that one finished. They knocked each other out with chair shots to the head. It was pretty humorous, but that was a good match. It was a pretty good pay-per-view, surprisingly. It was just kind of a random one, but I wanted to watch it for that main event because I wanted to see Paul White's debut coming through the ring. Um, and that was it was pretty cool. But uh, And then on Wednesday, so last night, I watched um, NXT TakeOver in London, which was, I mean, just fantastic. The wrestlers on NXT can put on such a show. The the crowd in England, it was the first time NXT had hit England, and the crowd was just loving it, man. It was like watching a soccer match where they're just chanting throughout the entire match. That's what was going on here. It was so much fun to watch. And uh, the main event, which is the real reason I watched it, was uh, the champion Finn Balor versus the challenger Samoa Joe. Now, I've been a Samoa Joe fan for uh, a decade, if not more, probably more. Yeah, 19, yeah probably longer than that. Um, I've always loved him. I've always wanted to see him wrestle in WWE and, uh, you know, he's on his way right now. He's in NXT, which is still WWE. So I was really hoping he would, um, win that match, that main event match, which I don't want to spoil just in, in case somebody happens to, you know, be interested in watching it and hasn't, which is very slim chance, but you never know. But the, the women wrestling matches, I mean, are better on NXT than than many of the men's wrestling matches that you get on Raw or SmackDown. Like, they're just, they're so damn talented and so good. And they can tell such a great story in the ring. Uh, it's, it's, it's really great. And uh, I'm really excited now because my buddy texted me last night as I was watching the event that NXT is actually coming to Detroit at the end of January. And so we were trying to get my family together, which my uncles had to bow out. Um, but... So my buddy and I and my other my other friend are gonna go, and so we're really excited to see that. That should be a ton of fun. But That's awesome. yeah, yeah, it's I mean it's gonna be a blast. I can't wait to <laughs> go there and see it live. And um, yeah, and so one thing that pissed me off this week was the realization that I just I hated WWE 2K16. Now I rented the game before I bought it, and I played like three or four matches. I lost all but one of them. But I was really into like the um, downloading the created wrestlers, and I was going to try to create my own universe, uh, WWE Universe, which is one of the modes on there and everything. But it's just so tedious to do that, as I found out. And you could only download 20 wrestlers at every 24 hours, and so I was like going days trying to do that, and just the the tediousness of trying to set up every new event. Like if I wanted to bring back WCW, for example, just trying to set that up was just so laborious and 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 unfun it got to the point where i was like screw it i'm just gonna you know try doing uh the basically like the career mode where you either create a wrestler or pick a a wrestler and uh i think you have to create one because the only options it gave me was my created wrestler to create a wrestler or the ones that i downloaded so i was going to take samoa joe but as i'm going through i'm just like the controls are so difficult the game is so hard and I'm playing on the easiest difficulty level. It shouldn't be like that. But the major problem is not the the difficulty, I don't think. It's just simply the fact that the controls are so uh, cumbersome. They're so difficult to learn. I just, I was not ready for such a steep learning curve for a f- fucking wrestling game. Like, it just pissed me off. I got to the point where I said, screw it, I'm selling it. I ended up buying WWE wow. 2K16 for, <laughs> yeah, for 25 bucks on Black Friday. And I sold it back to Best Buy for twenty seven fifty yesterday, and so that went toward one of my coworkers' Christmas presents. So it was uh, well spent because it was uh, it actually earned me a profit. So I'm not too terribly upset about it, but I'm just disappointed because I wanted to play with all those new guys. But just man, like make your wrestling game more accessible. I just don't get why it had to be so damn difficult. And so I have. Um, SmackDown versus Raw 2006 or 2007 on the 360 that I recently picked up. And I picked up the old classic on PS2, Here Comes the Pain. So I'm just going to stick with those because those are actually, you know, a lot easier to just pick up and play, which is what I'm looking uh-huh. for. So I'll just stick with that instead and that'll be fine. But other than that, I didn't watch too terribly much. I can't really think of anything that I spent a significant amount of time with other than 
other than that, though, yeah, I guess that's about it. So, all right. So with that in mind, we are finally ready to talk about Army of Darkness. Now, unfortunately, uh, I had uh, Monday. I was actually out with my with my parents all day long. I didn't get home until real late, so we didn't record on Monday like we normally do. Um, and then my dog got sick and blah, blah, blah. So we had to push it back. So we didn't actually... Um, so we're not actually going to be able to talk about this film with Chris, unfortunately, because he's obviously at Star Wars tonight. Like, like I said, like so many pe- other people are. Um, and so he's not here tonight to talk about it. But we need to move on. We need to talk about Army of Darkness. We've been talking about it for about a month now about how we're going to talk about it. And so now it's time. And then we can finally move on to the Evil Dead remake, which will hopefully be on either the next episode or the following episode, uh, depending on how things go. So let's talk about. The 1992 film directed by Sam Raimi entitled Army of Darkness. Now, we are going to be talking about the theatrical cut. And so there will likely be spoilers in this, just as there are spoilers for the next episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead. That's just the type of podcast that this has manifested itself into, and that's just the way it's going to be. And so if you haven't watched it, you probably want to skip this section and move on just to the episode if that's all you've watched. But... That said, even though we are talking about theatrical review I, or theatrical cut, I am going to ask Ash a little bit about the director's cut. See what if, if you know if you remember much from it, just so we can kind of talk about what the differences are. Because I've not seen that cut. Because the unfortunately the Blu-ray I own did not have that version on it for me to choose. So the theatrical oh. cut it is. But so before we begin, Ash, what is your? Let's talk about kind of our history with the film. What's your history with Army of Darkness? Uh, Army of Darkness was kind of the go-to film for us in college (laughs) yeah um we uh my first year at college anyway um it came out in 92 and so it hit home video in around 93 ish i think it might have actually hit in 92 uh i didn't see it until it hit home video um but i remember we were watching it at a friend's house um yeah, it must have been 93 because it was the summer Jurassic Park came out. And we were watching it in, uh, on, uh, at my friend's house, and I fell in love with it. And I realized while we were watching it, oh, hey, this ties to Evil Dead too. I didn't even know that <laughs> one started watching it. So okay. I was like, oh, okay. So um, I, I've loved the movie for a long time. Uh, we watched the hell out of it in college. I mean, everybody. It was on pretty much you could find somebody in our dorm who had it playing. <laughs> it, it, it was you know it was on that much um but we loved it uh it it was just a lot of fun so and i've loved it since um i actually got in trouble when diana and i were first dating um because i let danny watch it i didn't even <laughs> think about it uh and i just he, he uh he's like hey can i watch this and he's held up army of darkness i was like yeah sure i wouldn't <laughs> think about it he watched the entirety of it and uh, it was towards the end of the movie, and it's like, what are you doing? Why are you letting him watch this? And I was like, there's nothing wrong with this movie. And, oh, wait. <laughs> it on me. I was like, oh, God. How old would he have been then, do you remember? Um, I was in my early 20s. Uh, what was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Danny was nine at the time. <laughs> so yeah, oh man, little little young for him to watch it. Granted, I was watching like Nightmare on Elm Street when I was nine, but you know, different right. different parenting. Completely. <laughs> right, right, you know. yeah, yeah, oh, very good. <laughs> okay, yeah, and as has been uh, previously documented, this is actually the first time I've watched the film. Uh, it's one of those that was on my my Cinefessions list from last Halloween, not this previous Halloween, but the one before of uh, one of the top five films that I needed to see that haven't, that I hadn't yet. And so Army of Darkness was on that list. So this is the first time I watched it. I've actually watched it twice now because the first time I watched it was when we were first talking, first planning on talking about it, which was about a month ago. And so I had to watch it again uh, tonight just to kind of refresh myself. But what I think is most interesting is that my opinion of it or my, my thoughts on it didn't really change at all from the first viewing to the second viewing. And so I don't know what that means, but just an observation, I guess. There's only one thing that I noted uh, a difference 
And I think it was just me being incorrect on the first viewing where I kind of corrected myself in the second viewing. But I'll talk about that a little bit in a couple minutes. Um, so if we try to break this down into kind of a three-act structure, it's it's a little different. I, I might even argue that it's a five-act uh, film, which is so silly to think because it's like at less than an hour and a half or something like, I don't know, very close to an hour and a half. It is ridiculously short. Yeah. It, well, it, it feels ridiculously short. Right. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, yeah, basically the whole second half of the movie is a fight scene. It's it's the war scene. And it's it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to think <laughs> yes, about. Yes, it is. <laughs> but, but if you think back to the first two films, I mean, honestly, the first two films, uh, the first film, I feel like one quarter or three quarters rather is all fight f- all you know quote unquote fight scene you know him attacking the the evil spirits maybe um half of it but then the evil dead 2 it's like almost the entire film out, outside of those opening like 10 15 minutes that's setting up the from the you know that's kind of like the remake of the first movie and so that's not terribly different for this series to have an extended fight scene for lack of a better word an action sequence i guess yeah but no i I completely forget where i was heading there oh the the three act structure so if we kind of break it down in the three act structure i feel like the first act would be uh ending when ash gets out of the pit in the beginning of the film and that kind of sets him up as something special and then we get act two all the way to virtually you know the end where he destroys the evil uh deadite the main evil deadite and, and is transferred back home, or you know transferred back home that would be the end of act two and then act three obviously the end of the film um if I, i'm not even sure if i'm able to break it down though because i was kind of thinking as i went through but if you're trying to do a five act structure i feel like there's there's a, a a break between where i mentioned where you know he gets thrown in the well and then comes back out because he's defeated the deadite down there that's a that's a huge point uh, so that could kind of set up act two. And then there's another point where he, once he gets the book, cause he goes there and he has to get the three books, supposed to say the words, but fucks up the words, which is what causes, you know, which is what pushes us in, pushes us into the second half of the film. And so, but that I feel like is another kind of a, another whole act break right there is when he, when he picks up the book and that sets up, you know, which would be act three of the fight and then act four. It's, it's hard to break it down into a five act structure, I guess, but it definitely is not as clear cut as the other two films were in trying to break it into a three act structure. I don't, I don't think anyway. Um, would you agree with me when I say that that kind of felt like the book moment kind of feels like another act break or do you? Do yeah. You, uh, yeah. I would agree with that. Fine. Um, I mean, what's that mean? Really? Not a damn thing. Just, just trying to break down the film structurally, but Um, what I, so I guess I'll just, you know, spoil my thoughts on it now. I, I really enjoyed the film. I think it was just really funny. Uh, there were moments where it may have been trying to be too funny, but I think those are kind of moments that I've had problems with throughout the entire series. And I'll kind of touch on those a little more specifically in a couple seconds. But I mean, right from the beginning there, we get, I mean, I, I wrote down that, ah, there's the Ash I love from Ash vs. Evil Dead when he says, well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. And then you ain't leading anything but Jack and shit and Jack just left town. I mean, like, those are great fucking lines. And he has a bunch of them throughout the show or throughout this, the movie. Yeah, definitely. His, the one-liners are fantastic. They do yeah. a great job with those, but yeah. And, and would you would you agree that this is kind of, I feel like, the more... Ah, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This is kind of the Ash that we get with Ash vs. Evil Dead more so than the first two films? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think that's a good thing just because I think this Ash is very funny. It's such a different Ash than in the first film. But, I mean, really, it's <laughs> the whole series works well because the first film is so serious. I mean, obviously, there's hints of, of comedy, you know, don't be silly and say there isn't because there is. And then it kind of gets a little funnier and then here. But if you think of the character arc through there, just this ridiculous situation. I mean, he has these deadites attacking him, this evil forest attacking him and his friends. And then all of a sudden he ends up back in, in, in the 1300s, like the medieval era. 
and all his responses is what the hell it's so like i don't know it just fits so well to me and in the in the overall character arc of this of these three films i think because it's just so ridiculous and gets more ridiculous as the as it goes on that it gets just funnier as it goes on because of the ridiculousness of it yeah i'd agree with that (laughs) definitely so what um what kind of stands out for you? So, okay, let me ask this then. If this was kind of your favorite when you were younger, and I guess maybe I'm putting those words in your mouth, it may not have been your favorite, but you really loved it when you were younger in your college days. What do you think of it now? Has it held up or is it does it lose some of its oomph? I don't think it's lost its, its oomph. I think <sighs> it, it's lost some of the charm, I think. Okay. Um, the effects haven't aged as well as the other two, as the Evil Dead 2's effects have. I mean, yeah, some of the effects in Evil Dead 2 are cheesy, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, they weren't, I mean, they're, they're not great. I mean, it's just, it's like they didn't, it's like they didn't spend the time to get the lighting right. A lot of the times, it just, they stand out way too much on a lot of, a lot of the effects. Like a few of the effects were off in Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of them that are just all over the place in this movie in varying quality. And it's just like, it's really jarring. Do I, you I, have I, any, can you think of any specifics at all? Maybe just one or two? Um, when they, when they go from a miniature version of the characters uh, to like the bigger one, like when Sheila gets kidnapped is one that I can think of. Oh, okay. Of the, the the deadite comes the flying deadite comes in right and like we get a close up of it and the makeup effect looks pretty good mm-hmm. it's not too bad you know with the flight in the background but then as soon as they switch over to miniature it's like you can tell it's a miniature yeah. slap over a film sequence it looks rushed right it yeah I did notice I did notice some sequences like that I would agree yeah um but that that's one of them um some of the when uh, Ash is having to fight the little ashes yeah. um there's a lot of I and mean, it's worse than the director's cut because it's extended oh there. okay uh that whole sequence gets extended quite a bit i think probably like three or four minutes longer oh wow and, and the director's cut it's long yeah it, and it goes on um uh like a lot of his bruising and stuff makes more sense with the director's cut oh. but it's just it it does the effects aren't as good because they preserved the film version they had like vhs version i think i don't know for the version i've got but either way speaking of that just to jump in on that real quick i noticed there were a couple on the blu-ray i had at least my blu-ray now i don't know which blu-ray it's the the blu-ray that just has the theatrical cut on it so it's not one of the newer ones one of the older ones but it had a couple moments where what, what was one of them thinking of i think when we were kind of looking up from the well in the beginning of the film where it looks really like VHS quality. And so I don't know if that was something that they just didn't have the uh, capability of, of you know cleaning up or what the deal was. And then there's that moment where we see, I don't know what his, I don't know if he has a character name, but like the main evil deadite from the end of the film that Ash fights. Evil Ash. Evil it's Ash. Just, it's just okay. Evil Ash. Yeah. So we get Evil Ash and he, at one point they show his face and his face is like stretched out through my whole screen as if I was watching like a full screen movie that was that they had a stretch for the for a widescreen television. It was really strange. It was so it was like well, two moments that stood out like that. They they do a couple of weird stretchy effect shots. Yeah. Um, like they kind of did an Evil Dead Two a little bit, but they do a couple more times than that. I, maybe that's it. Could be. But but um, it seemed like a weird moment for it. Yeah, I've only got the DVD. I've actually only got the DVD of Army of Darkness. Okay. Um, uh, but because uh, it was the boomstick edition that came with the director's cut and the regular cut uh, or the theatrical cut, rather, not the regular cut. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they uh, yeah, they it doesn't look too bad on that. Um, I okay. don't it's not full screen, but I I don't remember anything sticking out about it. OK. On mine. But I who knows the transfer to Blu-ray. They had to do it with like I uh, might have. And they might have had to do something weird. So. Yeah, I want to get the the Scream Factory release, and I've had it in my hand multiple times. I just never picked it up. Um, but I want to see how that compares to this Blu-ray of it. But anyway, you can continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But uh, um, I don't know where else were we going. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, how uh, basically how the film's kind of lost its charm. 
Um, yeah, that that's part of it, I think. Yeah. Um, it. I mean, some of it was good, some of it was bad. It just it. Some of the uh, the one liners are usually pretty good. I uh, the beats are much better in the Army of Darkness, I think, actually, than a lot of Ashford's Evil Dead. I know he's supposed to have lost a step, but mm-hmm. the it, it I think the one liners are much punchier. Okay. It, and so they are in Ashford's Evil Dead. Um, I and I like them in Ashford's Evil Dead, mm-hmm. kind of. <laughs> Some of them are just like, oh my god. That's just terrible. Um, I, but they, you know, they, they end up working in Nashville, or Army of Darkness. Um, but the, I don't know. It just, I, I think Evil Dead just, or Evil Dead Two stands out to me more than Army of Darkness, and I think it's mainly because Army of Darkness feels like a camp adventure film, not a horror film. Okay. That's I think. It, it doesn't feel like an Evil Dead film, I and mean, it's not even called Evil Dead. It's just Army of Darkness, right? And, and it's I don't know. It just doesn't feel like. I mean, it's Ash's story, but it doesn't feel like it fits with the other Evil Dead movies. I guess does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's yeah, it's so different. It's just a whole new like world that it's set in. So I could totally see that, um, and it's you know, the character has progressed. And so to such a way where he's, you know, delivering a lot more one-liners than in the past. So I could totally see why it's, you know, just such a different film than the rest of them. But for my money, I'd rather watch army of darkness than evil dead Two. I think evil dead two was my least favorite of the bunch thus far. And, uh, army of darkness, probably my favorite with evil dead being a close second, maybe, maybe close is a wrong word, but (laughs) I don't know closer than <laughs> evil dead 2 that's for sure but i know i can't i can't remember what i ended up giving evil dead 2 but i feel like it was only two and a half stars um but it's been so long that i don't remember but i think this one's gonna end up being higher when we're done talking about it here but so kind of some of the things i wrote down so Raimi he chose a lot of shots in this one compared to the other two that make it a lot more jarring than the other films not to the point where it's shaky cam all the time, but I feel like there are just a lot more shaky cam moments. Did you, and it's not even just the shaky cam. It's kind of the way he cut it together. The way it was edited together was a lot more jarring. And I'm sure that was, you know, purposeful, but it's kind of stood out to me a little bit in a bit of a negative way. Did you, did you notice that at all? Or have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Um, there's a lot more of those quick zoom in moments. Yeah that he used kind of more sparingly in the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I really like the mini ash part. I don't think I'd like it too much if it was extended anymore. Cause it's kind of lengthy the way it is. Um, yeah, but it, it goes on. For yeah. <laughs> but I thought they were, I, I thought they were quite funny and the eye growing in his arm was creepy and just disgusting as all hell. Um, now is that, is that why in Ash versus Evil Dead they that episode where the the um I can't remember what they called him now but Pablo's uncle he like has the eye in his mouth I wonder if that's a like an homage to Army of Darkness at all might be might but, be um I like the skeleton army and I, what I wrote down initially was that I felt like I hated that they would sometimes transform into real people in suits. And other times it would just be like, you know, dummies that moved. But I think on my second viewing, I think I was just mistaken. And I think there are just two different types or three different types of people that were attacking yeah. in that arm. Okay. Okay. That's... Yeah, they're like three different skeletons. There's like the skeletons, um, which they use both stop motion and yeah. actual skeletons for. Okay. Um, then they've got people in suits that are supposed to be more decayed. And then they've got more ones that are more flashy yeah so there's like three different ones that are there yeah see when i first thought i was watched it i thought there was only two and that's what bugged me um but then the next time through i realized that i think there was just three so i'm i will scratch that negative but um the as long as the battle between ash and evil ash is i still thought it was a lot of fun i thought they did a really good job with finding different ways of keeping it entertaining for as long as the as the scene was yeah i would agree with that yeah my favorite part of the film has to be the ending, though. I just love that. So, this that that hail to the king, baby. I love. I mean, that was so perfect 
right before the kiss. I mean, just awesome. Um, but my favorite part of the film or my, my favorite parts of the film and overall just has to be the one liners. It's just so funny and funny. Um, you know, hail to the King. This is my boomstick. Hello, Mr. Fancy pants. I mean, just the list goes on. It's very quotable and, uh, it's so much fun. And, and I always, and it's how I always understood Ash to be before really getting into the series too deeply. Like I'd watched Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 before, um, but that was all I'd watched going into Ash vs. Evil Dead. But that's kind of what I expected him to be. And so now I see where that is coming from better than I did previously. So I'm really glad I, I finally watched through this. Um, so what are your kind of uh, concluding thoughts on Army of Darkness and what's your star rating? Um. Army, well, while I don't think it's held up as well as it it, it could have, mm-hmm. um, it, it's still fun. It's still fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the fight scenes were great. I think some of my favorite one-liners from Asher in that one. Um, uh, I think the one that always stands out to me is the one where she's like she's trying to uh, get on his good side after you know ripping his hair and yeah. spitting in his face. <laughs> And he's like, you know, first you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. And he spits <laughs> that grape on the floor, and he just looks at her blow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, that is awesome. Uh, but it, it there's a lot of there's a lot of great one liners in there. And then the the smart ending is not the original. Is not what Raimi intended for the ending. Okay, but the smart ending. Only is the only one that works if you're going to go into Ash vs. Evil Dead. Right. The original ending, Ash says the words wrong and ends up sleeping way too long in a cave, wakes up, and uh, the Evil Dead is over on the world. He's waking up after an apocalypse. Right. He doesn't say the words <laughs> wrong. He takes, because they have that, I, ju- I just watched that. They had it on the, like an alternate ending on here, and I was wondering yeah. if that's what it was. He actually takes, he's supposed to take six drops of this liquid. But he takes five, he counts to five, then he hears a noise and he looks around, and then he goes back and does five, six. So he actually takes seven dri- drops of this liquid, and that's, that's, right. okay, that's why yeah. he oversleeps. And I thought that was, I was, I was so glad that that was not the, um, the ending that was in the theatrical cut, because I don't like that ending. It's very Planet of the Apes, um, it's very, uh, oh, I had another reference there, but I just lost it out of my head. There's there's that episode of Twilight Zone that it reminds me of as well, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I I'm not a real big fan of that ending. Yeah, it it and it's interesting, and that's how they end the director's cut, but mm-hmm. it's it doesn't necessarily work with the rest of the film. The smart ending works a lot better with the rest of the film. Right, it's funnier, and you know, there's a lot of great moments to it. Um, and it works if you're retelling. You know, they follow the same formula that they did with. Um, the other Evil Dead movies where they basically the ending of the next movie or the show or whatever gets rewritten mm-hmm. by the start of the next one. Right. It segues perfectly into Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, some of the, th- I meant to talk about this a minute ago, some of the the slapstick bits are kind of what turned me off a little bit. And that's kind of been throughout the whole thing. Very Three Stooges-esque where he's... Um, and they love the Stooges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember you saying that too. Um, but when he like gets the book and then he doesn't say the words right, so he falls down and like the skeletons are grabbing him. I mean, it's funny, but it's like, all right, let's move on to the next, the next scene here. That's one of the moments of slapstick that just I feel like is a bit too much. But it's not that it's not funny. It's just that I get it. We can move on. It could be about half the length, I guess. Um, yeah. That's just not my personal choice of comedy i guess but but yeah so so what would you give it uh out of four stars i would give it a three okay three yeah i, I, mean, I like it better than evil dead but it, it, i just i don't like it as much. okay yeah and if i gave evil dead a two and a half like i believe i did i would give this one a three which i believe is the same i gave um i'm sorry i gave evil dead two a two and a half i'd give this a three which is i believe the same i gave for evil dead so but I think, I think I like this one more. I just feel like it's more re, it's watch it's more watchable. Um, it has a lot more replay value. I I feel than than the original Evil Dead. But that said, I have watched the original Evil Dead more than I've watched this. So who knows what I'm talking about? But 
Awesome. So any other any other closing thoughts on Army of Darkness at all? No, I think we covered it. Excellent. So let's move on to the review of Episode 7 of Ash vs. Evil Dead. The episode is titled Fire in the Hole, and it's directed by Michael Hurst. All right. So the group is heading to that militia camp that they hinted at a couple episodes back. Ash has his shotgun. Amanda has her pistol. Pablo has a big old butcher's knife. And Kelly has her meat mallet that she <laughs> destroyed the deadite with in the last episode, which is still one of my favorite parts in the whole series. And they're walking through the woods and they finally they come across these two people. And the woman on the ground is just ripped to shreds, man. Her her intestines, her guts are all out on the floor, on the you know cave on the forest floor. And uh, the guy next to her is kind of calling for help, and he clearly is dying. And he keeps saying he's here, and then he told he tore the whole place apart. And uh, you know they tell him it's going to be okay, but then a, a group of guys rush in and tell him to get away. And then they blow out the brains, the blow the the guys who's on the floor, they blow his brains out. Because he's, you know, quote unquote, one of those things. And so obviously as the viewer, we know that, you know, they're likely talking about the deadites. So that was our opening scene there, our intro. And then we get the the splash page of Ash versus Evil Dead. So the next scene, we get Ash working his magic with his tongue again, uh, talking to the militia, trying to get out of it. Um, and, you know, he says that he knows Lem, but it turns out that Lem has turned into this deadite and has attacked the militia camp. And he's, he's, you know, um, coming back again as they're talking there. And so Ash spreads some knowledge, but the militia leader, he thinks that he knows best, obviously. And so uh, Kelly starts putting on her hard ass act and yelling at the um, Lem or who we presume to be Lem through the building. And uh, it seems like it goes away. And so the militia Len, they start blaming her. I'm sorry, they start blaming Amanda for Lem turning bad. They say that she was experimenting on it because one of the militiamen recognized Amanda to be a cop. And so that kind of sets them off. But then the door opens and Pablo's like, I would stay away from that if I were you. But he's like, I'm going to check it out. So he goes to look and he gets pulled away by Lem and dragged into another area. And so they try to run out, but the militia guys stop them and, and throw uh, throw them in some sort of prison. So we got Ash and Amanda kind of trapped in it. Not a prison, but it's like a bunker. And down there and then um we get um pablo and kelly they snuck out and so they're kind of out in the woods trying to basically figure out what the hell to do next so that's kind of our opening opening moments of this episode so what were your thoughts on the opening moments of this of episode seven um i, I thought the opening was okay mm -hmm. um the militia guys are a little bit too much they're all too much like the redneck dude from Evil Dead 2. Like, there's, like, <laughs> no variation between them. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're all basically playing the same character that ends up being cannon fodder in this episode, which was kind of disappointing. Um, but like That's typical Michigan militiamen, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, other than that, I thought it was pretty good. I liked the lines that Kelly and, and them had, and them getting, you know, in the situation because of you know, Ash again. Uh, mm -hmm. but, so, and it started off okay. It just, it didn't, it didn't seem as strong as the previous couple of those. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't really have a problem with it. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but, it, I mean, they were definitely that stereotypical, um, uh, what's the word, uh, conspiracy theorist, militiamen that, you know, you would just expect, I guess, in, in something that was playing a stereotype. Um, but, I don't know. I thought that was okay. And uh, I enjoyed it. I liked the, the gore in the opening there. I thought it was really good with the um, the lady laying on the ground who was just cut in half. And <laughs> just her body was just missing, basically. But everything was still laying there. It was crazy. Um, but so uh, moving forward, we get Ash. Um, he gets a, a light on his hand to work. And they start roaming the underground base that they're stuck in. And, and they're also handcuffed together, too. So Ash, of course, starts hitting on her. And uh, she's like, is this really the time to do that? And he's like, there's no bad time to hit on you um, because I'm old school. That's what he says. <laughs> and she's like, well, you're old something. And I thought that was hilarious. Um, but that gets back to more of his kind of his one liners there and uh, how he's definitely lost a step, as Ash said. And I, I agree with you there. But I still think it's funny as hell. Um, 
so then she she apologizes for misjudging him and trusting Ruby. Well, not for trusting Ruby because she doesn't know anything's uh, a foul with Ruby. Um, but as she tells Ash about Ruby, we actually see Ruby getting up from the uh, fire pit that she was dragged into in the last episode. Was it the last episode or two episodes ago? That was the last episode. Okay. So she starts getting up and she's, first off, she's naked, which is actually the second bit of nudity we will have in this episode, which is the first bit of nudity in the entire series. So that's worth mentioning. And, um, and yeah, so we get Lucy Lawless naked. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? I didn't expect that. Um, but anyway, she gets up, she's uh, covered in ash and apparently she's alive, but she's got to be superhuman or something. She's got, I don't know, maybe she's a deadite now. I don't know what the hell she is. She doesn't look like one, but, um, she's something and she gets in her car, um, eventually and, and takes off. And then, um, Ash and Amanda hear a noise and they go to investigate. And that's when we see Lem waiting for them. And so Lem tries burning them alive. He pours kerosene on the ground and tries to throw a match out there, but the match like burns up before it hits it. So it doesn't ignite. And so then they run and he chases after him. And that's when we see, um, Pablo and Kelly hiding in the woods and Pablo, he starts trying to figure out who he is. Is he an ax guy or a guy who uses a crossbow or a rusty chain? That part was hilarious. (laughs) What is he? I know. I thought it was funny as hell. And I love Kelly's response. She says that she's glad that being hunted by an insane militia in the woods makes him ask the uh, life's big questions. I thought that was really funny. And then and then (laughs) and then he goes, I wish I had my rusty chains, yo. And she's like, keep trying. It's just such a great scene. They have such great chemistry together. I love them. Yeah, those two are funny together. I do like them. And so the. uh militia split up to try to find them and kelly says they just need to get one gun so they set up the militiamen to get a gun and then the tables are turned and another guy pulls a gun on them blah 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 so it's like a double screw job so basically it ends up with um pablo and kelly getting screwed and so oh this is when we see ruby she's dressed again and she's back in her charger and then she pulls a crazy looking knife out of hiding in her car and takes off is that is there something specific about that knife i couldn't place it I think it's supposed to be like the one from Evil Dead 2. Okay. That would be my guess. Okay. I mean, I was kind of figuring something like that, but I couldn't, just in my head, couldn't place it. So I was one. I figured you'd be able to. That would be my guess. Because it, yeah. it looks a lot like the one from Evil Dead 2. Okay. And so I guess this would be a good time to ask me, what is your opinion on Ruby? What do you think is going on there? Because we don't really see her throughout the rest of the episode. Um, I don't think she's a deadite, but I think she... I'm not entirely sure she's on the up and up. I think she, um, oh, but I think she's trying to use the book for other means than, you know, she obviously she doesn't want to destroy it. I think, I think uh, she's probably trying to use it to do something else with it. What I don't know, um, but I think she's definitely got some kind of. She's like dabbled in the supernatural already. So, do you think, think she's human? Um, I don't think she's, like, entirely human anymore, no. I think she's, you know, probably a, a, uh, I don't know. I don't know what exactly she would be. I don't either, but I feel like she can't be human. I mean, she was blown up and and then stood up with, you know, nothing wrong with her. She didn't have burn marks, doesn't have anything. She's just naked. And then she gets in the car and looks like she's, you know, a million bucks again. Like, nothing wrong with her. So I feel like she has to be superhuman, subhuman, something other than just human. And I think it's going to be interesting to find out what that is. Yeah. So the next thing we get Pablo and Kelly, they're tied up in the Jeep. And, and uh, <laughs> the guy says, I'm going to get you pregnant later. And she goes, won't your sister be jealous of us? <laughs> I thought that was just fucking hilarious. And then, uh, did you catch the uh, the Hillary Clinton reference? Yeah. <laughs> Save your lies, Hillary. Oh, man. So, like, playing on that stereotype more. Uh, I thought that was quite funny, though, myself. And so, one of the militiamen um, comes up, but it uh, up to the truck, but it, tur- it turns out that he's now a deadite. And so, we get this, I thought the scene was pretty creepy, just because we couldn't see his face. He's covered with the gas mask. And so he takes out the other militiamen 
And uh, eventually Pablo gets control of the truck and kind of rams it back into the tree with with the with the Didite militia man in the middle. And it, you know, we think it kills him. And so then Pablo suggests, hey, maybe I'm a pickup truck guy. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so so Kelly grabs the automatic rifle and decides that they're going to ambush the Hicks. And she wants uh, Pablo to be in disguise. But he's nervous, and so he's trying to put on this brave face, and she's like, just put it on. And he's like, there's a process, okay? I'm getting there. You know, I've been through a lot. And so he's bullshitting, and uh, he finally grabs the mask, and that's when the deadite comes alive. And this awesome scene I thought was just so damn funny where Kelly's shooting at the deadite, telling Pablo to duck, and he's just begging her not to shoot him. And she's like, it's not my fault. And he's like, whose fault is it? It's the gun's fault. These things are dangerous. Oh, but it was just so well played because he's going back and forth in view, out of view, in view, out of view. And then after she finally shoots him in the head and it's dead, um, like there's a, a, a stream of blood coming out of him, gushing out of him. And uh, Pablo just starts beating the shit out of the dead body. And I thought that was that was just perfect. And there was just so much goddamn blood everywhere. I absolutely loved it. What were your thoughts on that scene? Um, yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> I did love that. That was, that was really well done. Mm-hmm. The the timing on it was great. Yeah. They, just, they, they nailed it with that one. Definitely. And so we get, um, Amanda and Ash and they find they are seeing, they find daylight. And so they start yelling. Well, Amanda has a plan. So she starts yelling for help, which gets Lem's attention. And, uh, he screamed that he's coming to get them. And that then Pablo and Kelly pull up the militia leaders and they've tricked them. And she gets the gun on the leader and says, one false move and I'll second amendment your brains all over this truck, which I loved. Um, it was very, I feel like it was a very political episode. Lots of references here and there throughout, uh, peppered in throughout the whole episode. Yeah, they definitely did. And they just happened to fall on my side of the political spectrum. So I thought they were funny, but <laughs> others might not agree. Who knows? Um, so we get uh, Lem, he finds him and he pours kerosene all over himself now and he lights a flare. And so basically he's trying to blow flames at them, which is pretty cool. It looked really good. I thought the special effects were great. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're fighting. And then another flare is about to reach the kerosene. But Amanda stabs Lem in the mouth with a pickaxe. And then Ash, he puts out the other flare. So that's good. Lem's gone. And then Ash tries flirting with Amanda again. And she is buying it hook, line, and sinker. Which... I didn't buy at all. I don't know. I did because they've been setting it up the past few episodes, how she's kind of fallen for him, especially in the last episode. I don't know. I I just, I don't see it, but maybe if she's playing him, but maybe, but I I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm buying it and I'm doubling down on it. I like it. I like it a lot. And so they're, they're, they're moving into kiss, but right before they can kiss, Pablo and Amanda start yelling down. They found them. And uh, Amanda starts laughing because he didn't get his kiss. And I thought that was funny. And so they get out of that that basement area, that bunker, whatever it was. And Pablo and Kelly have found all these weapons. And they have the militiamen all chained up. And then Pablo picks up this grenade launcher and accidentally fires it. And then he looks around like, where the fuck did it go? And then all of a sudden you, you see how the back in the back of the screen uh, of the picture of the shot back at the shot you see the truck blow up and i thought that was just fucking hilarious and yeah, that was great great <laughs> he, timing there yeah perfect and then he grabs a gun instead and and kelly tells him that it looks good on him and so there's more of that budding romance that i don't know if will pay off by the end of this season but maybe by sometime next season we'll see so then we get another deadite approaching the group and the militiamen start screaming for their help for their lives and then Pablo, Kelly, and Amanda just take out the militiamen with all this gun power and all this fire power, I should say. And they uh, they take the weapons with them and tell the militia guys to untie themselves. They let one free. So they're setting all of them free. And then uh, Ash basically just expresses his love for the group. And he uh, finishes it all up with an amen. And then Amanda says he's inhaled too much kerosene. And they start walking away. But as they're walking away, he looks on. And we see a look from him that's, Probably the most genuine look we've seen from him throughout the entire series. You can tell that he really has fell for this group of people. And then the three of them turn around and they realize Ash is gone. And then to end this episode, 
we get Ash's hand. Ash's hand has now arrived at the old cabin from the movies. And it starts walking up to the cabin. And the episode comes to an end. So that is episode seven of Ash vs. Evil Dead. So, Ash, what are your final kind of concluding thoughts on this episode? Um, I, It was okay. It felt too... I don't know, like the other episodes felt like they were driving things along. And this one instead felt like it was setting things up. Um, which I'm okay with, but there wasn't, I don't know, there was no payoff to it. I mean, it's like, it's like the other episodes, we had a payoff through most of them, you know, some kind of, some kind of thing. The hands didn't, didn't feel like it did enough type of thing. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It just, it didn't feel like the, the same oomph that we got from the other episodes. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So. My my kind of thoughts on this one, I, you know, I, Ash is clearly spitten, smitten with this group of friends and he's genuinely concerned about their safety and uh, he doesn't want them to get hurt. So it kind of looks at this point like he's heading to that cabin by himself. Um, we only have three episodes left, but I can't imagine all three being without this group. We've come to know and love. So I'd be surprised if they weren't reunited by the end of the next episode. Um, that said, I thought this episode was great. I enjoyed the hell out of it. The blood effects were insane and just a ton of fun. And I did feel like it progressed the story ahead another step. Enough, at least. Um, and that's always an important aspect. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm damn interested to know what the hell is up with Ruby, as we talked a little bit about. And I love that we actually got some nudity in the episode twice. Once with the uh, the woman with the guns and the militiaman poke calendar. And then Lucy Lawless, obviously. Um, but that aside, I enjoyed this episode a lot. Um, I am really excited to see how this season is finally going to, you know, kind of wrap itself up in the next three episodes. Cause I feel like the next episode we're back at the cabin. So shit's going to get real and it's going to be real exciting. So I'm excited for it. But so if we jump over to the ratings game real quick, just as a reminder, episode one had 437,000 viewers. Episode 2, 276,000. Episode 3, 383,000. Episode 4, 448,000. Episode 5, 430,000. Episode 6, 402,000. And Episode 7, Ash, take a guess. Do you think it went up or down since Episode 6? Um, I'm going to go with down. Okay, here's another question. It is either A, the highest rated episode or the lowest rated episode. Um, which do you think? And by rated, I mean, has the most or the least viewers, which one do you think? Um, I'm going to go least. I'll be surprised if it went up. Yeah, it actually did go up and it went up to 452,000 viewers. And it is the highest rated episode to date, even higher than the, um, the pilot episode, which actually premiered on Halloween. So that's exciting. Um, that's cool. Yeah. And actually surprised and kind of shocked yeah yeah that's exciting though because i mean that's just keep going up that's that's good with me because then we'll get uh we'll get more of it which is good um i don't know i don't this feels like a series that does have a shelf life though it doesn't feel like a series i want to see five six seven uh, seasons of i'm thinking maybe two to four seasons will probably finish it up if even four maybe two to three we'll see but i just don't three would probably be pushing it yeah the limit i you're probably right um because it i don't know it just i love it but it just feel like what can we do after this i don't know so maybe they'll shock us but yeah so that is episode seven so what are we doing next week well next week we hopefully we'll have chris back uh hopefully we're shooting for another uh, monday recording session which is generally a better time for chris and ash and myself so hopefully we'll have the whole gang back again and um, we'll be talking about episode eight of Ash versus Evil Dead. And the plan is to talk about the Evil Dead remake as well. Now, that's obviously um, that plan is subject to change just as it has been throughout this entire run of this show. But you'll at least be talking about Ash versus Evil Dead episode eight and hopefully talking about the Evil Dead remake. And again, there'll be spoilers for both. So make sure you watch both before you listen to our podcast. Next week will actually be our Christmas week episode, 
there's not going to be a damn thing of difference, but it'll be fun because it's Christmas week. So there's that. There's true. <laughs> Ashley, you done Christmas shopping? No. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm. Uh, I've been working on getting our our stuff together. Yeah. Uh, I think she finished up her shopping for me, but I've got to finish my shopping for her. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm pretty much done. Um, just a couple odds and ends left to go. But my um, bank account says otherwise. It tells me I'm done times 10. But we know how that goes. It's Christmas. So. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but. It's like, I can do this. Oh, no, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, oh. no, you can't. <laughs> Yeah, and um, now all three of us have Borderlands, so we really need to sit down and play that. Maybe maybe if something were free this weekend or something, we'd be able to do that at some point, because that would be fun. I really want to try it out. So that should be good to go. Yeah, I've uh, well, I started, I created characters and got into both of them a little bit, but... Okay. Yeah. I haven't awesome. done a whole lot. I haven't a whole lot of time. So. Yeah, no, I hear you there. All right, awesome. Well... Ash, thank you for being here again tonight, and I want to thank everybody for listening, and we will catch you next time.